Welcome back to another episode of Investees. I'm your host, Linda Garcia. Last week on the podcast, we discussed selling out of a long-term investment where we focused on tax implications and what determines a long-term investment versus a short-term investment. This week on the podcast, we are going to get into the strategies behind selling a long-term investment. In last week's episode, I briefly mentioned that I sold out of a long-term investment. And when I listened back to that episode during our QC, I realized that I had made it sound as if I had sold out of the entire thing. I was actually in the midst of selling out of the investment, not all of it, just a portion of it. But I did want to talk to you about my decision, the strategies on why now, and also the circumstances surrounding the investment so that you can get a better understanding. It can be very difficult to make a decision to sell out of a long-term investment, most especially when you have a long-term state of mind as an investor. Having a long-term state of mind as an investor always prepares you for the volatility that you are going to face in the short term. As a long-term investor, you understand that the longer you are invested in the market, the less risk there is in the market. This is especially true when you are invested in a large cap company. Let me explain. As an investor, these are companies that give you exposure to the vast majority of the market. As a consumer, you are most likely buying into the majority of these companies. By definition, a large cap company, also known as a big cap, is describing a company that has a market capitalization value of more than $10 billion. There are also mid cap companies and small cap companies. A mid cap company is a company that has a market capitalization of $2 billion and $10 billion, while a small cap company has a market capitalization of $250 million to $2 billion. Knowing the market capitalization size of a company is important for us to know on the companies we want to invest in or the companies that we're interested in investing in because it allows for us to compare the relative size of one company versus another. Large cap companies are typically deemed less risky because they have captured more of the market share, meaning their services are being consumed by more people. They're typically established companies that have already experienced a lot of growth. Some examples of large cap companies are Apple, Amazon, Walmart, and Exxon. For mid-cap companies, it's more of a mid-sized company that still has room to grow into a large-cap company. Some examples of mid-cap companies are American Airlines and Robinhood. 
Those are the two safer of the three options. For small cap companies, these are companies that are smaller in size, in market value, and they could be exposed to economic downturn. The company might not even make it at all. And so these are categorized as much riskier investments. Examples of small cap companies are Sonos and Hims and Hers Health. Failures in publicly traded companies can happen for numerous reasons. In these two examples, Bed Bath & Beyond was unable to keep up with innovation, uh, Amazon took it out, and with WeWork, you had failed leadership. You will hear from a lot of professional financial advisors that a mixed portfolio with large cap, mid cap, and small cap companies is a good mix to have. And while I agree if you have access to a lot of capital, which by the way, most people that are invested into the stock market are the top 10% most wealthiest people in this country. So when financial advisors are giving advice, they are giving advice to the top 10%. And I feel from my personal perspective and the 11 years that I have spent in the market that some of that advice isn't applicable to us. At least I don't feel it is applicable to myself. I don't have discretionary capital where I could just gamble it into small caps or mid caps. I typically want to focus on large cap companies. Hopefully, I get to a place in my life where I do have discretionary income in this way. But for now, I feel it is important, especially as we're just getting started and we're learning how to manage our emotions through this process, that we just stick to large cap because large cap is going to give us less exposure to risk. And by the way, just so that we're clear and I am being completely transparent, I am speaking from experience. I have invested in small and mid cap companies. My small cap investments have been 1% of my entire net worth. My mid cap, I don't quite have that calculated yet. But I will tell you that when we had an economic downturn, the mid cap and the small cap did have a severe downturn in the 2021 market crash in this last bear market. And it was so painful. And I felt like I was safeguarding myself with only investing 1% of my net worth into small cap. And yeah, it was still painful. I'm glad I went through those emotions. So when I'm teaching, I am teaching from a place of experience. I'm not just assuming potential outcomes. I'm sharing outcomes that I have personally experienced. All of my big investments are all in large cap companies. Do I regret investing in mid cap and small cap and instead using that money to just focus on large cap? Absolutely, I do for several reasons. One is the recovery on the large cap has been far greater than the mid cap and the small cap. So I'm still waiting to recover on a lot of my smaller and mid-cap investments. And two, I do not need the stress. 
Look, Warren Buffett has been investing in the stock market for 83 years. That comes with a lot of experience and a lot of quick decision-making. He also has access to crazy amount of capital. And so when I look at some of the greats, I understand that I am just getting started. And in comparison, I am a young investor. I think that what really separates me from those older white men is that they are so detached from our perspective as marginalized community members that do not have access to capital and are just understanding on how to create generational wealth. Their decisions are not going to match our decisions. In fact, most of the information that these financial advisors and these experienced investors are disseminating, as I already mentioned, is advice for the top 10%. What makes me different in this arena is my ability to understand how this all works from our perspective. And with that comes important lessons, like what this economic downturn taught me. I was assuming that over time, my net worth would continue to grow. And while that may be true when I'm looking at a 20-year time horizon, unfortunately, in a shorter time horizon, my net worth may shrink. This was an important learning experience for me. I hadn't taken that into consideration. And guess what? When we had an economic downturn, my net worth shrunk. In hindsight, despite the economic growth I had experienced via my investments, I should have never invested in small cap or mid cap companies. This was a powerful reminder and learning experience that I am very vulnerable to how the economy is performing when it comes to my investments. I have to take into consideration what is taking place economically. This is what experience in the market can teach you. From the start of my course, Wealth Warrior, and in my book, I talk about how you need to be invested in large cap companies that give you exposure to most market share. You should be picking out companies that you are currently consuming and that you can step outside your house and ask any of your neighbors if they too are consuming those products. I got to learn that early on as an investor in Netflix. So luckily, the majority of my investment dollars is in large cap companies. We're going to take a short break. And when we get back, I'm going to get into selling my large cap investment why I sold it, and the strategy behind it. Stay tuned. Investees, I get into all of the details on how to begin your investing journey in my course, 
wealth warrior. We cover all of these nuances, how to make decisions on what companies to invest in as a beginner with not a lot of access to capital. Understanding how the stock market works, understanding economics can really place us on track to building generational wealth and more importantly, changing our perspective on how we look at money. People of color have some of the most disposable income in this country. Unfortunately, we are using it to consume products that are publicly traded versus actually benefiting from those investments. I'm teaching Wealth Warrior on February 24th and 25th. I would love for you to join me. Head over to my website at inlooseweetrust.com. Click on the menu, click on Wealth Warrior, the course, so that you can look at all of the information, including the curriculum pertaining to the course. I'll see you then. And we are back. I want to share with you a little bit about myself as an investor. I am a long-term investor. And when I say long-term, I mean I have a long time horizon versus a short time horizon in my investments. I believe that at the very minimum, we should be invested into a company for at least 10 plus years at minimum. Of course, there are caveats and exceptions to being a long-term investor. There could potentially be a better investment and you need to sell out of an investment to get access to capital because you see another opportunity. The company could be falling apart. It could be one of those failed mid-cap or small-cap companies and the best decision is for you to sell out. You could need to tax harvest. There are so many exceptions. But for the most part, we should be looking at being long-term investors. Why? Because this gives us less risk, most especially when we are invested in large cap companies. Not to mention that the longer you are invested, the more money you make. And so when you sell out of an investment, you are cutting your investment short. I mentioned this briefly in the last episode that your investment growth becomes a part of your net worth, meaning you can use your net worth as collateral when you are borrowing more money. In other words, for me, I saw the benefits of keeping my money in the market. You might be asking yourself why I recently sold shares of an investment if I am a long-term investor. I sold because I didn't really have a choice. Anytime you purchase stock from an employer or you're paid in equity, there are typically some parameters around your investment. I purchased my shares while I was employed at Netflix and the parameters surrounding this investment is that I had to sell within 10 years of my purchase. 
So my next expiration date, meaning the date I had to sell, was on September of 2024. If I do not sell by September of 2024, that money disappears into thin air and I lose it. It's important for me to note that I had been purchasing shares from 2013 all the way into 2015. I had three years of purchasing shares, and so I have more lots that expire into 2024 and then all the way into 2025. Because I have been invested in this company for 11 years now, I understand the cycles of the company. And it's important for you as an investor to understand the cycles of the companies that you are invested in. Let me explain what I mean by cycles. There are four quarters in the year, and depending on the product or service that you are invested in, the product or service may have certain types of behaviors depending on the quarter. Netflix historically has always performed very well in Q4. Naturally, let's talk about it. We start to Netflix and chill come fall and winter. And that happens to take place in Q4. So when they give their quarterly results in the first quarter of the following year, Almost always, we will see a nice pop from Netflix. I was expecting this pop to take place, and so I was already preparing myself, thinking if I'm going to sell some of these shares, it should definitely be in Q1. This was a strategy for me, given my time as an investor with a company and understanding its cyclical patterns. There's another pattern, aside from the pattern of Netflix always overperforming in Q4. The other pattern is that typically Netflix tends to perform very well right before earnings in anticipation that it will do well, and then it gives earnings. And for the most part, the growth in Netflix stock after they report earnings tends to be a disappointment and the stock starts to downturn. My strategy was going to be to sell half of the shares that were expiring in 2024 on the front end before they gave earnings, and then to sell the other half after they gave earnings. This was so that I could safeguard myself if they performed better on the front end before earnings, I could cash in on some of that. And in the event that maybe, just maybe on this quarter, they performed exceptionally well, I wouldn't miss out on those gains and I would cash out on the remainder of the shares that expired in 2024 and capitalize from the potential increase that would take place after they reported earnings. This was the plan. This was the strategy that I was seeing for myself as I was planning to sell out of this lot that was going to expire in 2024. 
which I think we should always have a plan and always have a strategy, but we also have to make sure that we're malleable. We have to make sure that we understand that we can't control outside circumstances and there may be new information that can completely deter us away from the plan. For this most recent Netflix earnings release that took place last week, they decided to announce, which was very strategic by the way, that they have now signed a deal with WWE and they will now live stream wrestling matches. And on top of that, WWE goes on to announce that The Rock is now sitting on the board of WWE. Those two pieces of information have now changed my entire perspective on whether or not I should sell. Let me tell you why. The Rock himself is a family movie brand. You think of The Rock and you think a family movie setting. Him being on the board is extremely beneficial to WWE as they have now signed a deal with Netflix. And the deal is such a sweet deal for Netflix. The deal is valued at $5 billion for a 10-year deal. Netflix having the option to exit after five years or it can extend it for another 10 years, bringing the total deal to 15 years. So Netflix has the upper hand in this deal. This can be looked at as a sort of test run for Netflix. If it's doing well, they can continue and extend the deal. If it's not doing well, they can pull out of the deal. The rights will kick off in the US, Latin America, Canada, and UK. So this news already drummed up so much publicity for Netflix. I started to see the stock go up even more. I started to see the potential. I already know the potential of the company. It's why I'm so heavily invested. It's why I've stayed invested for such a long time. I am definitely positive on the future of Netflix. This made me second guess my initial decision in selling out of any stock because I could see the potential of being invested in Netflix right up until my expiration date, which is September of 2024. By the way, this is pure speculation, but again, watching Netflix's behavior over the years I don't see Netflix just getting into live streaming one sports event. I do think this is a test run and the way Netflix has conducted themselves in the past, they don't think small. I see them streaming the Olympics. I see them striking even bigger deals. So when I go to sell my shares, I start to second guess my decision and I quickly assess the things I cannot control, fully understanding that they are now controlling my environment. I needed to reassess. I decide that I am going to sell under pressure. And side note, if you are in my Patreon, you know exactly what that pressure is because I filmed the entire experience and last minute, 
I decide to pull the trigger and just sell a little bit. I sold 25 shares just in case they bomb earnings. At least I cashed out of something. That was the thought in the moment. But ultimately, it was the pressure that made me cave because I could have held my shares technically until September of 2024. And then they deliver earnings. Netflix blows it out of the park. They beat on revenue. They do miss on earnings, but nobody cares. Why? Because Netflix just hit a new record. It added 13.1 million paid subscribers. It breaks a new subscriber record of 260 million. Netflix is now crowned the king of streaming. By the way, I always knew they were the king. First of all, to be the first is to be the king. However, all of these financial advisors were like, no, Disney Plus, Apple Plus, everyone else plus. And it's like, no, Netflix, always. Netflix beats subscriber expectations. And not only that, but it increases their forward guidance for earnings per share in Q1 of 2024. That means that in Q1 of 2024, they said, guess what? We're about to kick some more ass. And at that point, I was like, okay, I'm not going to sell. <laughs> the environment changed. I had to be malleable. The stock went from $500 all the way to $560. And because I have had these shares for over, I mean, closing in on 10 years, I have been invested in this company for 11 years. I got to see a $13,000 growth on my investment overnight. And the torture of being an investor is thinking about how much more I could have made had I not sold out of 25 shares just the night before. The good news is that the investment continues to grow. So here we are. I didn't sell out of the entire investment. I will be forced to sell out of more shares in October, but I'm going to take this moment to moment, quarter to quarter, of course, paying attention to the news and reports for the second quarter. I'll definitely keep you posted and let you know, listen, if I did not have to sell, I would not sell. These would be shares that I would give to my grandchildren. We would be Netflix stock rich, but I have to sell. It's so sad. It breaks my heart. I understand the power of holding stock for the long term. I understand long term time horizon. And I hope that through this episode, you have as well. I hope that this has helped to just put things into perspective, highlight the importance of why you should be listening to your earnings calls on your investments. Make sure that you are paying attention to the environment and, of course, most importantly, paying attention to your emotions. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Investees. I'm your host, Linda Garcia. A special thank you to our team, Asia Simpson, Eliza Smith, and Jacob Winnick. 